We heard God's word and the testimonies of people this morning in great and powerful ways. And those will be the things that you remember anyway, not my talk. And so that's a good thing. Um, but I do want to move forward with this. It's a great, a good, you know, and I felt I've been feeling led by God. Um, and just so you know, he does speak to me with angels at night and rainbows and pots of gold and leprechaun stuff and unicorns flying to my, no, I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. But, um, you know, it's, I haven't spent time with God. I've been trying to listen to him about what's happening. There's so much, you know, that I could speak about in the Christmas season. But the message, even before last week, um, for the last several weeks that he's been laying on my heart is to talk about the importance of the church, understanding that it's a family. And um, it's just really, really important that we understand that we're a family. And the sense I got as he was speaking to me about that, it started whenever we were talking about giving, is that when people understand we're a family, they will easily and naturally give to the people they love. You know, they will easily and naturally give to the things that the family is excited about and called to. And so um, as I've been praying about that, one of the things, again, that God's just added on to that is, well, we need to teach our church, we need to speak about what does it look like to be a family? You know, what does it look like? How do I become a part of the family? And then when I'm a part of the family, what's in it for me? Like, why is this really a good idea to do? I mean, because it's a pain, or we're with a bunch of jacked up, diverse people. I mean, it's just easier for me to kind of isolate on my own. But Jesus calls us, as a group, to be a family. He goes as far as to say that the people who are my family have nothing to do with my blood relationship to them except for my blood covering them. In terms of who he was born to, in terms of his biological brothers and sisters, in this passage today, we see how Jesus defines family. And it has to do with people who are doing the things that his father has called him to do. And so I want to start with that scripture and then we'll move on from there. Jesus, we pray you'd speak to us first, you'd open our hearts to receive your word, and that we would leave transformed so that we might live differently. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, I got a cough, so I bark into the microphone. I'm sorry. He says this in Matthew, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, the cool thing about this is I, you know, it's one of the simple verses. I literally, I think I've looked at every word and every, you know, every way that you possibly can. And it pretty much is straightforward on this, on this deal. I mean, there's some things in here that I can unpack about why isn't father listed? Well, it's because Jesus is calling us to be under the Lord's, give me that phone. Come on. I'll talk to him. All right. So, but Jesus is calling us to be under his father, you know, and he talks about, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into all that because I have, I don't have a lot of time, but what happens in this gospel is that there is a building of this idea of Matthew trying to communicate the truth that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one we've been praying for in the old Testament. That's the theme of Matthew. Everything that he says, everything that he does, what he's trying to work out is in trying to get the Jews to believe is that this is the guy He's the man who we're supposed to follow. He's the promised one. He's the anointed one. But it was hard for the Jews 
to see that because of the way that he came and the way that ministry took off. In chapters 1 and 2, we have the birth of Jesus. 3 and 4, we see Jesus affirmed in his identity as God and human. In 5 and 7, if you're familiar with those, that's a Sermon on the Mount where Jesus um, explains, this is what the lifestyle of someone who follows me looks like. This is what my authority looks like. In chapters 8 to 11, it showed that Jesus has authority over everything. And we see this this shift in momentum in the gospel where, where, where Matthew's really showing us, okay, these are the issues. This is what Jesus, what, this is what I've been trying to communicate. But here in chapters 8 to 11, we see Jesus has authority over everything, over everything, over the angels, over everything. Jesus has authority, all of our sickness, everything to the point. And then he says, and this is what it looks like. And it shows Jesus as a servant. It shows Jesus as a servant in terms of this is what it looks like. He's done Matthew 5 or 7. Is this is what the lifestyle looks like. I have authority over everything and everyone to heal sickness, to do everything. And this is what it looks like. It doesn't look like me on a throne of power. It looks like me loving people who are broken, loving people who are lost, loving the unlovable, loving people who have been ostracized from the kingdom, pushed away by religion. And then in 12 to 15, we learn of the response of Jesus' people. And the response is so diverse. Some of them rejecting him. Some of them desiring to kill him, to throw him off. Some of, him, some of them false teaching against him. Some, I mean, just his family mocking him. Just a ton of things happen in chapters 12 to 15. The Jewish, the, the Jewish, the Jewish leaders reject Jesus as Lord. And a series of parables of Jesus is introduced. I'm going to modify my kingdom. My kingdom is going to look different because you've rejected me. And the modification involves including people who are normally on the outside, the non-Jews, the Gentiles. My kingdom is for anyone who chooses to do the will of my father. And so we see at the beginning in this first chapter, Jesus saying, look, there's a kingdom. And if you don't want to be a part of it, then I'm going to go find people who do. And the people who choose to be a part of what my father is doing are part of my family. And they will get to rejoice and benefit in the blessings of my family. And so it's great news. It's amazing. And what I love so much about River City Church is we believe that message is true today. That many of us who found our way to River City Church, myself included, got bumped around by religion. We've been bumped around by people who have told us that church needs to look this way. I need to act that way. I need to do these things. You need to know these things. You have to go to these schools if you want to lead a church. You have to to know this kind of stuff and act this kind of way. You can't be divorced and be a part of a church. You can't be broken or have struggled with drugs or alcohol and really be a part of a church. You can't have an affair and believe that the church would love and accept and empower you to recover and to heal. I love being a church that believes that the kingdom of God has been set apart from the world and the lies of the world and the lies of religion to include the people who need and know they need Jesus the most. That's what I love more than anything. I use exaggerated statements. This is one of the things I love more than anything about leading our church because there's nobody that can walk into my office or walk through those doors that I will not welcome to River City Church. And I don't welcome them because of what I'm gonna preach or because of our worship. I welcome them because of you, because you get it. That's what you're about. You've learned that this is what the kingdom of God is like. You've learned that I'm broken, I need healing, I need restoration. And that journey for me is only completed 
as I learn to love people who are different from me, as I learn to allow God to heal and transform my heart through loving people who have nothing to do with what I do, coming down here every Sunday, I know that the kingdom of God can show up and heal cancer. The kingdom of God can show up and break addiction to drugs. The kingdom of God can restore marriages that have been lost. The kingdom of God can pull children and kids who are addicted to pornography or adults that are addicted to pornography or kids that are having inappropriate relationships or whatever. God can reach down in the space of any time that we allow him, but especially at church, to restore and to heal and to, and to redeem us. Everyone is included in God's kingdom. Everyone who wants to be a part of his family is allowed to be a part of his family. I love that about River City Church. And if you don't hear anything else, you need to hear that today. That the invitation from Jesus is for you. Is for you. And again, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. There's nothing that's going on in your life that Jesus doesn't know about and that his blood didn't cover on the cross. Nothing. There's nothing. And you don't need to confess that to me or to anybody. That's between you and Jesus. Healing comes from Jesus. Healing comes from saying, I want to be a part of your family. I want to be a part, Jesus, of what you're doing. I'm excited about what you're doing. And Jesus heals us and restores us and transforms us. You know, there are a lot of great churches in Jacksonville. They're phenomenal churches. They're amazing. And that's great. But we're after this group. We're after this group I've just talked about that don't feel welcomed or haven't fit in or have brokenness in their life that has made them feel excluded or judged or condemned. And we want you to hear this morning, in the season where it is plagued with loneliness and desperation, isolation, that we welcome you and to experience God's kingdom with us. We welcome you into God's family as we try to work out what that looks like as a church. You know, I, I kind of like, I think that God likes the idea of denominations. I know you're saying, oh, God doesn't like division. But yeah, I, I know God doesn't like division. But one of the things, and maybe not denominations, but one of the things that I've come to learn or that I've come to see as I look out how God's shaped his church, we haven't shaped it, God's shaped it, is that denominations or divisions in church that the enemy means for bad, what happens is God redirects, gives them values, gives them vision to go after people groups, communities that nobody's after. That's what we're trying to do. It's great. I mean, think how much more difficult it would be for us to get along if there was one church service in Jacksonville every week, like at the stadium. We had like a barbecue. You'd be surrounded by people like you hated, like you really didn't like. I mean, think about family reunions. Why don't you have them more often? There's a reason. <laughs> so I was looking at like looking for funny, funny family reunion stories. There's so many I couldn't even like, like, oh yeah, there's that drunk uncle. Oh yeah, and there's like, he's trying to dance. He's like sideways dancing. Everywhere he's going. And you can see like the kids like running away from him everywhere. You know, and you just see, you know, awkward grandma dancing in the background. The kids are like video laughing, they're shaking. But, but in, in you see, I mean, you start seeing all these like fights at family reunions, like fist fights, like throwdowns at family reunions. I mean, crazy stuff. And there's like a family reunion page and the guy who hosts it, his name is Spiffy. 
And Spiffy has all these ideas on how to have a successful family reunion. Why do we need Spiffy to teach us? Why do we need Spiffy? I mean, we're family. Why would that be a problem? Because we're family. Because we're different. And so one of the things we have working for us at River City Church is that we at least have agreed on the values and the people that God's called us to. I think God loves how he shaped us. I think God loves what we're trying to do. I think God loves that our front door is wide open. Because we want to bring people into his family who want to do the will of Jesus. In this passage, Jesus defines very clearly for us and uncomfortably what it meant to be a part of his family. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and mother. (coughs) Excuse me. The description of Christ's disciples. You know, Christ's disciples... I mean, they get a bad rap a lot of times. But when we look at the way they lived, we look at what they were trying to do, and we look at what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. It's not people who only hear the gospel or hear the truth. It's not people who also just know the truth. It's not people who talk about it. But Jesus is saying, my disciples, the people who are part of my family, are people who do the work of the kingdom. For years and years and years when I was in ministry, I said, you need to believe in Jesus to become a part of his family, to be a part of, you know, be a part of, be a Christian. You need to believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. I quit saying that because I don't think that that's correct in the same way the language in the Greek is used in our language. To believe doesn't mean you have to do anything. You know, I believe it's raining right now. Well, I have no proof of that. I'm not, I'm not living that. I don't know that for sure. But in the Greek, it's more, it's an action verb. And I changed my language to believe in Jesus, to following Jesus, to doing the things that Jesus did. You want to be a Christian? You want, to, you want to be a part of his family? Then it looks like following Jesus. Following and doing the work that his father gave him to do. Duplicating his ministry, his life, and our life. It says this in John seven seventeen. Well, I'm going to back up. I'm going to lead you into John seven seventeen. Doing the will of God is best is the best preparation for being a disciple. He says in John 17, if anyone, is that a slide? If anyone, if anyone's will, that doesn't show up very good, does it? If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The best preparation for knowing what it means to be a disciple or becoming a disciple of Jesus is doing God's will. And I'm going to talk about how you do that in a second. Following God. Doing the things that we know we should be doing. Not worrying about the things we don't understand, but just getting after it. Starting to pursue the things that we do. And the best proof of it, he says, of being a disciple is doing the will. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And we know other texts that are pretty harsh where Jesus says, you know, I don't know you. I don't know you. And they say, but I prophesied in your name. I did miracles in your name. I told people about you. And Jesus says, I don't know you. You don't know me. You are not a part of my family. In terms of greatest fears, that would rank high for me. Wouldn't that stink? That would rank high. Knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus reflected in being obedient to the will that his father has given him, which looks like the ministry of Jesus. And like I said earlier, well, I'm not going to go there. 
You know, what we see is interesting in this passage is that we don't see Jesus talking about where his mother and brother are spiritually in this, but we know that they were outside. They weren't listening. They weren't a part of the disciples. They weren't a part of what Jesus was doing. So it's possible, and often we allow this to sidetrack us, to be very close to people who are part of Jesus, but not be a part of his family. I mean, think about it. I'm not saying his mom didn't believe in him and his brother didn't believe in him and they aren't going to heaven and all that stuff. What I'm saying is Jesus is showing us, Matthew is showing us here that Jesus was bringing separation between who his real family were and it were the people who were doing the will of his father, not his mother, not his brother, the people who were doing the will. Jesus emphasized the radical demand of his call to discipleship, but also its reward. You see, Jesus is inviting us when he invites us into his family to be in a relationship with his Father in heaven, allowing us to come into an intimacy and love that we will never know unless we're with him. You see, that's the thing, is that Jesus invites us into this crazy family, and we're crazy, this crazy family. But in this family, the reward is so greater than the sacrifice. But the trick is we have to trust that that is true. And many people will tell you the lie that you just gotta hang on because when you're in heaven, then you're really gonna experience the kingdom of God. Then it's all gonna be worth it. No, no. Life to the full is offered to us now. Why do we like to have great parties at River State Church? Because that's what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what the family of God looks like. When you look at how Matthew describes the kingdom of God, it's the most valuable thing you could do. It's the most exciting thing you could do. It's the most risky thing you could do. It's the most fun thing you could do. It's worth it. It's worth it. And Jesus is saying, come be a part of what my father's doing. Come be a part of the great feast, the banquet that's gonna take place, that's taking place as my kingdom moves forward. You know, and that's tough because at times when we see family and friends doing this, it'll make us feel awkward because we'll kind of feel convicted even though they're not doing anything to convict us and they'll kind of ruffle our feathers a little bit. And it's hard because we have to allow the people who are closest to us to pursue the things that God's called them to. Recently, someone in the church came to me and they said, we have this Christmas tradition on Sunday morning and uh, on Christmas morning, and we do this, this, and this. But my son has come to me. They've come to, you know, they've come to their parents, and they've said, hey, Street Corner Ministries on Saturday this year. Christmas is on Saturday this year. I, I don't want to do, I want to go to the street corner. So the family, who's trying to instill tradition and values and has these great Christmas holiday ideas, things that they do every year, all of a sudden, as one of their children begins to pursue and follow Jesus and want to be a part of his family, oh boy, that's a toughie. Because now what's going to happen is you're going to ask all of your children to pay the price for the one who you allow to go follow. Are you? What's more important? It's tough. It's tough, isn't it? I told him to move uh, street corner to Sunday this year. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We didn't do that. But um, as the family member is faithful to pursue God, one of the things we have to trust as people pursue God, as you pursue God, that you have to learn to trust is that it's actually only in people being loved by God and becoming a part of his family that they truly will be able to love their brothers and sisters and the rest of the family.
I have a bunch of examples I don't have time to do. But to end it with it, I mean, to end this point with this, what I want to say is this, is that it's tough to do the will of the Father stuff. It begins with intimacy because you can't do his will unless you know what he's leading you to do, right? So you have to listen to him. You have to listen to what God's calling you to do. So it, it, it begins with intimacy. But then it also requires some discipline. As you see the kingdom of God open, you see someone you love pursuing, you feel called to love and pursue God, you have to discipline yourself to not allow the world to pull you back. You have to discipline yourself to, to be faithful and to pursue the things that God's opening up. That's why we ask you, what's your response to what God's doing at River City Church in Hollybrook? What's your response? The church leader, I've said, God's moving here. This is where he's calling us. And your question to yourself is, what's my response? How am I going to choose or not choose to move into this area? And not everyone is called in the same way to be a part of it. But the reality is, the promise of God is, as we follow and trust and believe in him, we are only then, to tr- we are only then able to truly love the people that are around us. Well, I really love my kids. I want my kids to have all these gifts. I want my kids to go and to do all these things. I want my kids to do this, that, and the other. If it's at the expense of loving God, then you actually aren't loving them. Because only in loving God can you truly love anyone with God's love. Does that make sense? And one of the things that happens when we do this is that we grow, we change. And one of the exciting things for me as a church leader is to see us growing and changing, see people growing and changing, see marriages restored and growing and changing. You know, having Lex and Paul with us for the last four and a half years has been amazing. If you think about, well, here, let's see this pictures real quick. You know, Paul came to us as a young, young boy, you know, just out of university. Oh, you can't see that. Why is that dark like that? That's Paul in the middle with the spiky hair. There he is. He came to us as a boy, a young boy. And, uh, you know, he's just grown before our eyes. And then, next one. And then he started to try to be like my kids, and we knew that there's some work to do. He started having negative influence. Blake had mohawks for the last four years when Paul started getting them. And now he's grown to the man we know today. And we are very thankful for that. Oh, how'd that get up there? That's not Paul. You know what's funny is I don't know how that picture of Chuck got up there. That's crazy. It's 1990, 20 years ago. That's amazing. Todd, too, has grown. And we know Lex has grown in other ways. You know, had two babies while she's been with us. Paul's grown there, too, a little bit. All right, I think that's it. So, but anyway, what's amazing is that, if you think about this, many of you don't know this. When Paul first came, I tried to make him a youth director. And then I put him in college ministry. And we tried all these spots because we were like, we hired Lex. She's amazing, worship leader, da, da, da. Well, then Lex gets pregnant and Paul has to leave. Paul had never, ever led worship before he came to River State Church. Never, he wouldn't even sing in front of Lex before he came to River State Church. And you talk about what happens when you become a part of a family. It is such a great example Paul is just a great example because, I mean, we've had three albums out, of which most are his songs. He's built this huge worship team. I mean, it's amazing to see what God has done in Paul's life, the freedom that Paul has experienced personally, the life that God is breathing into Paul personally, and that as Lex and Paul leave now, you know, that's the other uncomfortable thing about a family. As people grow, you let them go. As people grow, you let them go. And a healthy church and a healthy family is always going to be saying goodbye to people. It's always going to be growing people so that we can send them off 
and let them go to build God's kingdom with what's next in their life. And that's tough. There's another person in the church who's been a part of our church who came with Beth and Derek. He came to church with Beth and Derek, right? And so Beth and Derek are planning a church now at the beach. We're going to start in February, it looks like, after we get a building. And this person who came to River City with them has chosen to not go with them. And like all his family and all these people are upset and saying, well, why aren't you going? Why aren't you going? Why aren't you going? And when I asked him that, his response was, well, because this is my family. I've come to be loved here. God's fulfilling who I've been called to be here. Why would I leave? What they're doing is not what God's called me to do. It's amazing testimony to the power of being in a family like River City Church, to being in Jesus' family, trusting as we risk for him and we step out, he grows us and makes us who we're created to be. And in doing so, we become the church that we're created to be. And for this, as a staff and as a leadership, you know, we're thankful, but it's also sad. It's exciting, but it's also hard. But that's part of being in the kingdom, not living everything for today, but trusting that one day we'll celebrate forever with the people that God grows in us. So in ministry time today, I'll just encourage you, you know, if you want to be a part of God's family, maybe for the first time, I would encourage you to come down and say, Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to be a part and to receive the blessings, the intimacy that you have called me into with the Father. And for others, maybe it's just coming down and saying, I want to know what your will is for my life. Will you speak to me about the truths that you have for me that are different from everyone else? And I promise you this, as a church leader, we will do everything in our power to allow you to become that person. That's so exciting for us. We will protect you. We will love you. We will care for you. We will teach you God's words. And we will minister to you in every opportunity that we get so that you can become who God created you to be and receive the benefits and the joys of being a part of this family. So let's stand.